This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us, wherever you are. Welcome to the Podium Finish Live, episode number 81 with your host, Rob Tiongson. Nathan Solomon has this week off, as you know, because he's on vacation, unlike me and a certain co-host who's joining us for the first time in, I believe, nine years. I'll explain who that is here really shortly, but at least to say, even though this is not the Darlington edition of TPF Live, goodness gracious, this is like throwback time on TPF Live. So I'm excited about this, just as I'm excited about our guest for this edition of our show, which is going to be Isaac Kissmiller, this young upcoming racer who was recruited by Candace and Ron Hornaday Jr. from the Team Hornaday Development Camp. So, so much to look forward to. And of course, this is our post edition of all that happened in Richmond and Road America and also to looking forward to the NASCAR action at Michigan. And oh yeah, a little series called the NTT IndyCar Series that's racing on the streets of Nashville, which is also where our Trans Am TA2 driver, Tom Sheehan, is going to be racing. So lots to look forward to with the Music City and Motor City. It's about cities this weekend for TPF Live. But more than the races and more than the usual talk and guests that we typically have on our show, I am so excited about this episode because this was something we've been wanting to do since I brought the show back in 2021, right around after COVID kind of simmered down and we were able to do shows on Zoom and uh, obviously on Spotify, which is where you guys and girls can hear this because my co-host tonight, and I hope this is not the first and only time, this will be the first of many times we'll have her back, it's my good friend, Kirsten Smutney, now known as Kirsten Lewis, because she is now a mom, she's married and Unlike me, she's grown up. I am still a kid at age 37, folks. But <laughs> anyways, I'm so excited to have Kirsten back on the show. Goodness gracious, it's been such a long, long time, Kirsten. I don't know why we didn't do this all before, but how have you been doing? And uh, how cool is this to go back in time? It's awesome. Like, I'll, And I don't know about grown up. Um, I, maybe I just play a grown up on TV. But um. <laughs> But um, it's so good to be back. And yeah, I don't know why we haven't done this sooner. But I can tell you what, the last however many nine years or whatever it's been have gone by very fast. So it doesn't feel like nine years. It doesn't. Well, well, for one thing, you look the same, which is always beautiful and so like young. And I feel like I have aged the last nine years. It's crazy. But we've been longtime friends. I mean. Just a background story before we get into the nitty gritty of our podcast, folks. Kirsten and I actually met, I think, on a blog talk radio podcast. Um, I think it was called Next Time By. And I think Kirsten was a guest of a show that was hosted by Summer Dreyer, known as now known as Summer Bedgood. Um, but anyways, Kirsten was a guest on the show. I, I was tuning in. I was impressed. And I was thinking kind of in a cocky way, and sorry, Summer, you're a great journalist, but younger me was cocky and thought I could have a better podcast than you, so I decided to recruit Kirsten to my show, and boy, did I learn it's hard to do these podcasts. That's why I didn't do another podcast until 2021 when we ended the podcast in 2015 because I decided to focus solely as a writer to, uh, you know, get myself as a, you know, more known as a journalist, and now that I feel like I can balance my world a little bit better, Obviously, we have had Nathan Solomon as our regular co-host, but he's on vacation. He's earned it. He's still working. I don't know why. I keep telling him, relax. But uh, no, I love having Nathan on the show. He's a good buddy of mine. And uh, it's also great to have my old friend and my great friend Kirsten on here. So, oh, man, to tell you the truth, folks, the only things we know we're going to talk about are the topics. Otherwise, this is going to be so impromptu, which I love. So... I'm excited. But before we get uh, talking about racing, talking shop, of course, why don't we hear why you should shop with SpoilerDieCast.com, our partner for our podcast. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping 
and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. Yes, indeed, folks. Use promo code TPF and you will be saving 5% off your orders of $20 or more. That includes in-stock or pre-order items. So folks, if you're looking to get, you know, a certain driver's diecast from Lionel Racing and you're seeing those scary reports about those not making production, you better pre-order on spoilerdiecast.com. Get as many as you want. Use promo code TPF. You'll be saving 5% off. Get free shipping. And oh, by the way, you may just save that diecast car from becoming extinct or probably staying in someone's archive when they do some sort of Lionel poker run uh, during Coke 600 race weekend. But anyways, folks, get to it. Shop right now. Tell Evan and his team that Rob and Kirsten sent you over and Nathan to wherever he's vacationing, probably Bermuda or I don't know, St. Bart's. I'm kidding. He's he's in the East Coast. Anyways, why don't we get to the fun of our podcast with podium perspectives? For you folks new at home who don't know what Podium Perspectives is, of course, this is our little segment where, you know, my co-host and I, we just talk racing, we talk shop, it's unfiltered, you know, it's obviously PG, but, you know, we try to be as conversational as possible about what goes on in the racing world. So, person being a lot well-versed about motorsports like Nathan, we're going to talk about the latest happenings, not just NASCAR, but of course, Formula One and the IndyCar series. So why don't we kick things off, of course, with what happened in NASCAR Cup Series racing at Richmond last weekend. So, of course, it was super hot and a lot of folks have no- took notice of the, the fast Toyotas in the beginning of the, you know, the, the cookout 400 where Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Martin Trix Jr., they asserted themselves at the front of the field. But then in the second half of the race, Goodness gracious, here, here comes the Ford camp. We had Chris Buescher, Brad Keselowski deciding, hey, we want to have some fun too. Ryan Priest joined in on that, which was a, a great run for the rookie racer. But all in all, it was sort of a throwback race with RFK Racing coming back to life, looking like they did when Kirsten and I were doing the original run of this show with Chris Buescher from Prosper, Texas, winning on Sunday afternoon. Now, Chris, of course, is now in the playoffs and Kirsten, RFK Racing has been in the midst of an 18-month reconstruction, a refit, of, if you will, because they admittedly kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. But since Brad Keselowski's taken over operations, he's the owner-driver with Jack and all the folks in Fenway Sports Group, you know, how huge and pivotal is this for RFK Racing to have this moment in NASCAR? Oh, I think it'll be huge. It'll be awesome. Like, up that they can pull it off and it's just crazy because like when you and I were doing this show that was when they still had like Greg Biffle they might have had Carl Edwards when we were doing this <laughs> and like it's changed quite a lot you know they Brad Keselowski's taken over I mean the, he was with Team Penske when you and I were doing the show and at the time we were all thinking probably that Keselowski's going to be a team lifer with Roger Penske's group but then all of a sudden you know COVID hit I think Brad may have seen a a different opportunity to excel in motorsports, not only as a uh, a really respected stock car driver, but a team owner who could bring new ideas to one of the oldest teams in NASCAR. I mean, even if you don't follow NASCAR, knowing that Jack Roush has given so much to motorsports, uh, sports car racing even, I mean, this is a huge seminal moment for this group. So, I mean, I think personally having Chris... Seeing Chris win the race was, it was such a different situation because I was thinking, oh boy, this is Denny Hamlin's race to win again. So, I mean, uh, it's crazy to see how the landscape of NASCAR is changing greatly. So huge congrats to Chris, RFK Racing, Brad K. I'm sure Brad K wants to join the, the party before the postseason begins next month with the Southern 500 at Darlington. So 
We'll talk more about that throughout the next several weeks because I know RFK Racing, they're not done. They're going to keep up with their hot summer act, just like the screaming hot summer here in Texas, which I cannot wait for it to end. Except for folks anywhere else in Texas, I'm sure you want to go slowly. But anyways, someone who doesn't want 2023 to end is probably Max Verstappen because for the 10th time this season and the eighth time in a row, he won another Formula One race. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it quite a straightforward victory because, you know, in the early early initiation of the race weekend, I mean, he had to replace a gearbox, I believe. And even though he had the fastest time in practice, uh, qualifying, he was assessed with a five position grid penalty, which at Spa, it's not the hardest track to make up track position, but boy, did we get to see the Red Bull racing teams just showcase why they're likely to dominate and get double the drivers and constructors championship. I know Kirsten, you follow a lot of F1 racing and um, I guess in a way for folks who are probably sick of Max winning, how special is this run that he's been on right now to, in his quest to win his third championship? And this is no different than when Lewis Hamilton was winning all those championships with Mercedes. No, it's, yeah, it's very similar to, you know, Lewis's uh, reign, we'll call it. And it's, just a testament to how dominant they are and you know a few years ago they were I mean they still work hard obviously but I remember watching them you know just kind of claw and claw to be able to beat Mercedes and now you know here they are they're the they're the ones to be every single week so it's it's neat and you know well for some viewers it may get like boring oh Max won again Max won again but I mean, just that dominance, how good they are every single time is something to kind of marvel at. I think it's just such history in the making to know that someone and some team can keep consistently showing up to a different circuit and not only just win, they just decimate their competitors. And it's incredible because of the fact, unlike NASCAR, we see teams constantly evolving their cars. They're changing, you know, the side pods. They're trying to extract a maximum, maybe with trying to, you know, reduce downforce so they can have more speed, but give up handling. And, uh, you know, Mercedes has tried their best this season. We've seen Aston Martin kick off the season really well with Fernando Alonso, but, you know, as of late, Verstappen is pretty much just saying, you know what, guys, just give me the check when we get to Monaco for the FIA um, banquet later this year. But, you know, outside of Red Bull Racing, what driver and team has impressed you the most? Whether they've, you know, kind of emerged out of what we've expected out of them or just caught your attention? Like who do you, who in what team has really caught your attention? I, oh gosh, aside from Verstappen, Mercedes doing well. I mean, gosh, they're just the biggest, they're just the biggest stories. Like I, I'd love to see somebody else, you know, coming close. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm getting a lot of help here. <laughs> You're good. Um, uh, anyway, but yeah, the, it's, uh, it's been definitely the Red Bull dominance and, um, I, you know, we will see Verstappen win that championship and to see some more teams working hard over the off season to try to try to compete with that. And I'm sure those competitors are already thinking of ways to do so, not just at the end of the season, but even going into next season, because it's never too early to think about 2024, uh, especially I think Mercedes and Total Wolf. They're just like, oh, man, we're, we're just constantly getting hammered out here. So, you know, I'm sure they're looking for some answers out of Lewis from George Russell just to get things done. And I'm sure Ferrari's not happy, you know, uh, just sitting back and, you know, Frederick Vassour left Sauber, you know, or you know, Alfa Romeo. And I kind of feel like they've regressed a little bit, but, you know, that's what happens when Red Bulls is dominating i guess they make everybody look like they're standing still i will say the one driver and team that's surprising me is actually red bull's junior team or their sister team um alfi tori because i expected them to be at least a mid-pack team or midfielder team um 
And to know that Nick DeVries didn't even really get much of a chance to showcase his talents with how Helmut Marco is kind of impatient, wants results right away, doesn't care if you're a rookie. Um, that's a tough position to be in. So I hope, you know, we get to see more Nick eventually, probably in Formula E, or um, maybe he'll do the IndyCar route because look at Christian Lungard, how he's been able to make something of himself after being in uh, F2. And now he's a, an IndyCar winner after what we saw him do in Toronto and finally shaving off that god-awful mustache. Um, but seeing Daniel Ricardo back is also a surprise because I really thought, honestly, folks, that his career was over. Um, and now I'm, I don't know how much you're buying off of the rumors online that, you know, Ricardo is putting the pressure on Checo, but, you know, as a driver in the, you know, you've raced in the past and you've seen how tough the competition can be. Is it a distraction for, for Sergio Perez to know that Daniel Ricardo is lurking, even though he may be in the worst car, arguably in the field to know that Red Bull's like, you know what? Nick wasn't good enough. Hey, Checo, you are not keeping me up with Max. So we're thinking about bringing Daniel. Is that a thorn on his side? Oh my gosh. I don't know how, how it cannot be as a driver, you know, like you can say like, oh, I can put that, I can put that out of my mind, but you know, and you might be able to do that, you know, once the helmet's on you, you know, you're very focused, but I feel like once that helmet comes off, there's, you're thinking about that all the time and to the time you put the helmet back on again you know just thinking how uh how you need to perform so that you know you don't lose that spot exactly because unlike other teams red bull wants results and to the outsiders they're just probably thinking wow they're so cruel it's unfair but you have to realize folks that you know, no offense to NASCAR, no offense to IndyCar, but F1's pretty much the top of all motorsports series. If you're growing up in Europe or Asia, you don't want to just stick to your, your, your national series. You want to be in the bigs with Formula One. Um, you know, and America's lucky to have someone like a Logan Sargent with Williams, you know, realizing his dream after his brother, I think Dalton raced in the truck series for a while and then we didn't hear from him afterwards. So I'm sure a lot of folks out there are realizing, you know, you got to bring your A game out there. And Checo has done that in the past. We've seen him do that when, you know, it was announced that he wasn't going to come back to what was then uh, Racing Point, which is now Aston Martin, when they announced that Sergio, um, Sebastian Vettel, I'm sorry, Sebastian Vettel was going to take over his ride. And he's like, you know what? I'll win in, in Bahrain in the Sakir Grand Prix and the, and then it was announced afterwards that he got the red, red bull ride. So uh, he can certainly respond to adversity folks. We'll see what happens, but say la vie in the world of F1. It is a really tough series to be a part of. That's not to say the IndyCar series is not tough either. Uh, it's really tough. And this weekend's race is going to be one of the trickiest, maybe the most treacherous, most treacherous race of the entire season for them because they've had to race on a recently repaved Road America, which you folks saw on Father's Day weekend. Crazy race, but, you know, Alex Polo won. We saw the Detroit Grand Prix on the actual downtown streets of Detroit. And uh, again, crazy race. We saw a lot of championship contenders fall by the wayside. Guess who won that? Alex Polo. And at this juncture, Kirsten, I don't know if anyone has an answer for Alex below, but I will say this. He's got his hands, uh, he's got his work cut out for him because he's going to have his hands full at this really tricky racetrack. I think it's like 14 turns, just over two miles and really limited passing opportunities from what I've seen in the past. Does anybody have an answer for Alex below at this point? Because I'm sure Team Penske, after they they swept Iowa, they're like, "Come on, we only are we're only within 90 points of below." Like, does Joseph Newgarden even have a chance? I mean, statistically, you know, he does. But oh, gosh, Alex below has been very dominant. Obviously, with you know such little passing opportunity in Nashville, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be critical that you get a good qualifying position um which you know Ganassi and, and Penske's shouldn't have any kind of issue with that but that's definitely going to be I think the most important aspect and uh trying to stay clean because it's going to get 
it's going to get racy, I think, on the streets there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the greatest passing opportunity to me is actually going to be after the first four or five corners when they get to the Korean War Veterans Memorial Bridge, because that's a long straightaway, folks. Yes, they're going over the river. And uh, yes, there's been jokes about what if a car, you know, careens off the bridge, which we don't want to see. That's not funny at all, of course. Um, I think a lot of drivers have learned how to handle this tricky racetrack. They've got the experience from Detroit to know, okay, maybe I need to hold back in this tight corner so I can set up for a possible opportunity before we get to the stripe. And I think this place is a premium on qualifying. So I look for, you know, Team Penske's drivers to really be aggressive with their setups and all. And, uh, you know, if you look if Ariel McLaren racing, you got to throw some Hail Marys at this point, wouldn't you say, Kirsten? Because I know Pato Award's having a heck of a season. He just hasn't won a race. But yet, uh, if he doesn't win anytime soon, this is another season where he's just going to be like, well, we started off well, but we just didn't have any answers for uh, CGR and Polo. Is this possibly a chance for um, someone like Pato Award or even Alexander Rossi to break through to victory lane and maybe stop this Ganassi um, parade? I think it could be. Um, you like you just never know what's going to happen. Um, they're all fast drivers and. Aaron McLaren's put on some good shows, but you know, Pato probably feels like he's kind of always the bridesmaid and never the bride. Um, so it would be really, it would be really nice to see, to see them, uh, you know, get a good qualifying spot and they'll be, they'll be, uh, you know, able to put on a strong result, I think, but um, man, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one to get past below. Absolutely. And as long as CGR is just doing their homework, even if they're doing the bare minimum, I mean, they don't have to win more races. I think it's just a matter of getting podiums, top fives, just staying out of trouble, racing smart, because from here on out, you've got now, of course, after Nashville, of course, we're going to have, I believe, Gateway coming up, which is a, a little tight oval that's, you know, pretty sweeping corners, but certainly going to be a tough one with how hot and humid it always is around Madison, Illinois, and St. Louis, Missouri. And then not long after that, we've got the Grand Prix over in Portland, which is always a fun race. Maybe Carson will be there. And if, if she is, you say hi to her, folks. I love the race over at Portland International Raceway. It's such a neat road course. Um, and it's not just an indie car track. Of course, Xfinity Series races there. A lot of road racing series go over there. And uh, it's such a great track in the Northwest. And believe it or not, folks, not long after that is the, the season finale. I mean, this is crazy just to know how quickly this season's flying by when we get to WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca, um, especially with that corkscrew that was made so famous by Al Alex Zanardi in 1996 with that bold pass on Brian Herta. So I'm excited about it. And yes, folks, we do have a team over at Nashville for that race weekend for IndyCar and of course TA2. So super pumped about that. So look forward to our coverage of the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. And we'll actually make predictions about winners because as you know, folks, whether it's Kirsten who's on the co-host chair, whether it's Nathan, whoever's with me, you got to give me winning time picks. So as always, we're going to start off with NASCAR picks and then we'll actually conclude with IndyCar picks um, for this weekend's races. So, of course, starting off with Saturday's Xfinity Series Cabo Wabo 250. I don't know what a Cabo Wabo is. I'm not from the Midwest, so anyone wants to fill me in, tweet to me at Rob Youngson. Uh, it sounds kind of cool, Cabo Wabo. Um, maybe it's like Wawa coffee. I don't know. But, um, of course, this is a really pivotal race because for the Xfinity Series, they're getting towards the end of their regular season. And they're going to have a cupper in that race with Ty Gibbs, who's the defending race winner. And yes, he gets us number 19. Toyota Supra is going to be probably a favorite. And then on Sunday, we, of course, have the Firekeepers Casino 400 in Michigan, in which Kevin Harvick will be retiring after the season. He's our defending race winner. And then our Sunday concludes with the Big Machine Music Sunday Grand Prix at Nashville, and no surprise, who's the defending race winner? If it's not going to be Alex Polo, folks, your Jeopardy answer should be, who is Scott Dixon? So before I give my picks, 
I'd like to hear Kirsten's picks. And I know, Kirsten, I don't want to put you in the spot because I know you may have not followed stock car racing too, too much, but um, I know that you know enough to see what goes on. So curious to hear who your picks are for this weekend's races. All right. For the NASCAR race, I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. And uh, uh, for, for IndyCar, you know, I would say Alex Pillow. But I also, I don't know, I don't want to choose the easy answer. So I'm going to choose like the second easiest answer. And I'm going to go with New Garden because he's up there too. He could, you know, he could technically pull one out and, you know, get ahead of Pillow. So I'm going to go with New Garden for Nashville. And then, um, I mean, yeah, I I think that uh, those are the obvious, those obvious answers. Hey, sometimes obvious is the clear way to go. And uh, you, if you see a pitch that you can hit a home run with, why not? Uh, I like those picks, Kirsten. And honestly, I actually would say the same thing too. But I like to do things a little different, as you know from the past. And Nathan has known in the past too. So let's hear my picks. So for the Xfinity Series race, we, of course, have Ty Gibbs in the field, but let's not forget Junior Motorsports is on the rise, folks. Sam Mayer won his first career Xfinity Series race last Saturday at Road America in a thrilling race for the Henry 180 win, in which he did a Superman chest rip opening victory lane celebration. Wild stuff for a 20-year-old. Don't worry, he wasn't censored. It wasn't, you know, NSFW for you kids who know, you know. But um, as far as Xfinity Series race is concerned, I am going to stick with Junior Motorsports. And now I said it last week, I'll say it again. Justin Nallgaier. I think he's got everything it takes to win another race, to basically pad his playoff points and perhaps position himself a little bit better to be relatively safe when we get to the round of 12, which will be sometime in mid-September. I think actually at my race at Texas Motor Speedway, because yes, folks, I will be at Texas Motor Speedway next month. So Justin Nallgaier for Xfinity. Then for the cut race for the Firekeepers Casino 400, this is a tough one because traditionally this has been a four track, which Kevin Harvick knows a lot about. He's won six times at Michigan, which is crazy. Um, actually, when Kirsten and I were hosting this show a long time ago, Ford was winning the race as well. Uh, Greg Biffle was the king of Michigan, it seemed like. So unfortunately, Greg Biffle's not a pick to make here. So uh, I'm going to actually go stick with the Ford. I'm going to actually go to Team Penske's Joey Logano to get the job done because I know it's been a frustrating season for the defending cup champion. He is in the top 10. Yes, he will make the playoffs, but it's kind of been a, well, I don't need hamburgers, but it's like if you had a hamburger, but you didn't have all the ingredients that made it great. Just imagine having a good hamburger. And that's kind of what his season's been like right now. It's been good, but nothing to write home about. But a win at Michigan, oh boy, in front of those Motor City executives, you know, Chevrolet, Toyota, and Ford, if they got to see another Ford win, it's demoralizing for Chevrolet and Toyota, to say the least. But for Ford, knowing that they're defending cup champions in a win, I think that'll be a sweet sight for them. So I'll go with the number 22 car for the 400. And as far as the big machine, City Grand Prix for IndyCar, yeah, Kirsten kind of read my mind on this. I mean, Joseph Newgarden, who's a, let's also not forget, he's a hometown boy. Nashville's basically where he's from, so I'm sure he wants to do well in front of all of his family and friends. So I actually will go with Joseph Newgarden, and not because I don't want to see Alex Polo win. I think Alex is a hell of a driver, but um, I think Newgarden has certainly been gaining some momentum, and if he's going to make a case to be a part of the championship hunt, if there's going to be one. You got to go for the home run right now. So I'll go with him. But if he doesn't get the job done, you know, I'm looking at somebody like a Christian Lungard to win again, because Ray Hall uh, Lanigan Racing has been actually really, really good. Uh, Ray Hall Lanigan Letterman Racing. Sorry, David Letterman. I didn't forget about you, but I did sort of. But anyways, yeah, those are our picks. So what do you think, folks? Did Kirsten get hers right? Did I get mine right? Why don't you let us know? Because we like to hear from our fans. Of course, my handle on Twitter. Oh, gosh, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. My handle on X is Rob T. Youngs, and that's such a weird thing to get used to, folks. I'm going to have to really remember that. And for Kirsten, hers is, of course, still remains Kirsten underscore Sputney. So it's like the good old days, and she will tweet to you. And, of course, the podium finish is 
X handle is at the podium finish. Mine on, on uh, the other one called threads, same handle. So here, uh, t- tell us what you think. And, and if you happen to make the race winning picks this weekend, I will personally purchase a 2023 in-stock car from spoilerdiecast.com, 164 scale diecast. Don't break my wallet, folks. And uh, yeah, you'll get to get a freebie just because, hey, I just feel like it. So we hope you enjoyed that segment of Podium Perspectives, because right now we're going to go into the hot seat. For this week's hot seat, this is a fun one because, as you know, folks, we've been introducing you to different Team Hornaday development drivers who are on the up and up. You may not have heard of them, but hey, you after this show, you will. And uh, we've learned a lot of great details from, you know, drivers who want to be a NASCAR, drivers who want to be dirt track racers. And in some cases, some drivers who are just embarking on their careers right from the get-go. This is probably a segment that Kirsten's going to be so excited to hear because this young kid that I got to interview, my goodness, I just love the enthusiasm exhibited by Isaac Kitzmiller, who, of course, is not just the son of ARCA competitor Jason Kitzmiller. He is an, a heck of a driver in Legends and Bandos. He's def- definitely wanting to make his way up to the stock car ladder. But I just love getting to hear from someone really at the start of their career, because most of the time we hear people talk about how their career was or, you know, being in the forefront of things. But I, you know, Isaac's certainly cutting his teeth. He's really a respectful young man, has a lot of great things to say about his career and lots of great reasons why he and his father can bond about racing. And I just think it's one of the more touching interviews we've done. So with that said, folks, Let's get set, sit back and relax and hear from Isaac Kitzmiller, who is now in the hot seat. I'm so excited to introduce you to our latest and hopefully not the last time we'll do these interviews, of course, in TPF Live. We have a very talented young driver hailing from West Virginia. That, of course, would be Isaac Kitzmiller. If that name sounds familiar, it ought to, because if you're a follower of the ARCA series, then you know that Isaac's father, Jason, races in ARCA. So small world in the world of motorsports but that's how we do things it's really cool so before we kick things off of course isaac thank you for joining us here in the hot seat on tpf and tpf live how are you doing today yeah good how are you thank you for having me oh it's a pleasure i'm doing really well and we're we're so excited to tell your story because really this is what your this is this is your platform my friend this is your chance to tell about us about your story so we'll kick things off and kind of take it one by one here to learn more about you of course as a driver so you know you've obviously started your journey in motorsports pretty recently uh you know how did you become interested in racing and who were some of your favorite race car drivers that you watched growing up as a kid so yeah we uh definitely i've always raced and I just started when my siblings and brothers and sisters and my whole family really raced. They start they started in drag racing, then they went to like dirt go karts. Then they like just my dad got a chance to run the Arca car at Daytona, and I went the second year he done it, and I fell in love with it, and I decided that I just wanted to be a part of motorsports somehow and this is a way to be a part of it that's really cool and I always love to hear how you know young drivers are inspired by their parents or you know someone that they've known and who better than your father and your siblings to inspire your journey in the sport and uh, obviously your dad you know he's proven with hard work and and perseverance he's been able to get to stalker competition so you, you know you're certainly working your way towards that you know and it's so cool to hear you guys also had some experience with drag racing. So is it easy to say, or, or is it pretty understandable to say that the Kitzmiller family absolutely just loves motorsports as long as it has wheels? Yes, sir. Definitely. <laughs> that's oh, that's so cool. High octane family in your house all the time. That's how it should be for sure. You know, for some of us out there who are just learning about you for the first time, you know, what are three words that you would use to describe yourself as a U.S. Legends car or race car driver in general? 
let's just say you're, you're taking on the quarter mile Charlotte Motor Speedway, right? How would you describe your approach? Patient, you have to stay calm. If you make a bad, have a bad session or something, you can't get your head over it because it'll just bring everybody down. And that's what you don't want. And you just got to stay definitely patient and not get nervous or anything. And you'll run good race and to definitely stay clean and race others how you want to be raced. And you'll have a great finish. Sounds like to me, you're all about doing things the right way with respect, doing things cleanly and doing things the right way, instead of always just trying to be hard charging it up, which seems to be something that the young drivers are learning. So let me kind of jump ahead here about you being a part of the Team Hornaday Development Camp. When you know, is it, is it fair to say that Ron and Candace, they want you guys to learn to be aggressive, but also to do things methodically versus kind of in this bombastic, I don't want to say re reckless kind of way, but you've seen it in NASCAR where some people kind of celebrate, you know, doing things a little bit differently than what we've seen over the years. Is it fair to say they want to teach you guys some of the, the old school ways? Absolutely. Yeah. They just try to teach us everything about anything like that. And they just help us a lot with it. I'm so glad to hear, and uh, they're such great people when it comes to the, the world of motorsports. And as I've been asking your peers from the Team Hornaday Development Camp, has Ron taught you some of his tricks when it comes to restarts? Yeah, absolutely, yes. The other week he was here teaching me about uh, just how to stay on somebody on a restart and not get pulled so hard on the straightaway. But he definitely helped me, and so is Candace. That's so awesome. And they're such great people. And it's so cool to know that Ron's teaching one of his greatest skills as a driver from the truck series to you, the future generation of, of auto racing. So it's just cool that he's giving it back that way. And I'm sure when you had the chance and platform to do so, I know you'll do the same thing too in this full circle type of racing. So super cool to hear. And uh, maybe you'll get a chance to sleep on that legendary couch too, because apparently that couch is you know, been a genesis for a lot of drivers' careers. I'm sure you, you've you heard the stories of like Kevin Harvick or Jimmy Johnson sleeping on that couch, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if you get to do that, just enjoy that night's rest because you might get some magic from there. I don't know. It's yeah. worked out over in the past, <laughs> to say the least. Now, speaking of Charlotte Motor Speedway, you know, I understand that you're competing in the famous Summer Shootout Series, which... For those who may not know, it's a weekly series taking place during these summer months with a lot of different racing. You know, you see legend cars, bandoleros. Um, sometimes you'll even see school bus racing. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but uh, safe to say it's a it's a great way for fans to know the future of NASCAR talents. And, uh, you know, what are your expectations with this year's summer shootout series? And um, what are some of the stories that you've heard about this that kind of makes you laugh or smile about the summer shootout yeah um, like my expectations are just to stay clean definitely finish the race it's really hard to avoid wrecks and you just gotta look in front of you at all the times and have a top 10 top five good finish but i'm um, like definitely some stuff to remember from the shootout is just us going over stuff and having fun but also not just not being too serious, but being serious at the same time. That makes sense. It's like a balance between, you know, yeah. you don't want to be too much of an extreme, right? You know, you can't get too caught up to the point that you're, you're um, stargazing about the fact you're at Charlotte. But at the same time, if you don't pause for a moment to realize what you're doing, you're not having fun at the same time at what you're doing. So it makes sense. And I know if it's the first time you've pulled in, pulled inside the tunnel of Charlotte Motor Speedway and got to see the track, even if it's the quarter uh, mile, I mean, that's just the sight to behold. And, you know, it's it you can literally hear the echoes of the past when you're there. So it's so cool that you're making your presence known there. And you've got some good runs this year, too. I saw that you got a runner up at Wake County and other tracks. So it's clear you've got the talent, my friend. And uh, I hope it's just the beginning of those great moments for you. Now let's kind of circle back about your father a bit because, you know, he obviously is racing in ARCA, I think in the East Series as well as the National Series when he can, you know, 
what are some things you've learned from your father about the demands of motorsports? Because I'm sure he has learned a lot from, you know, when he was once a young man to now this really respected driver. And now he's got a son in you doing the same thing he's doing. Yeah, I've just learned everything from him, from just being patient and definitely finishing races and knowing how to run the track and like changes in the track and just learning how to pass anybody clean without just wrecking. And That's great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's like, and just anything like that. And that's great advice for sure. And great things you're learning from him. And uh, I, I really love seeing his story because I think it's so cool because you definitely represent the young generation, but then your father is on the opposite end of the section proving that it doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you love racing, you'll get there eventually. So I'm glad that he's fulfilling his story, I'm sure. And you're doing that for him and yourself. So it's so cool. And uh, when I saw your name, I was like, I think he's got to be related to Jason. He has to be. And of course you are. So it's so cool. And I just love, you know, learning these stories, these, these connections, if you will, in racing, because it's clear just how much of a family sport it really is, to say the least. This might seem like a challenging question for you, Isaac. So not trying to throw you in the hot seat too much in hot seat, but if you had to compare yourself to a driver, past or present, in terms of your driving style. Whose approach is most similar to yours? Um, probably like uh, Kevin Harvick. Probably yeah. something like that, definitely. He seems to be a really big inspiration with the young drivers, which is so cool because obviously he also came through the racing ladder with uh, the Hornadays and uh and obviously he's got a son in, in Kaylin who's racing as well. And uh, have you had a chance to meet Kevin and kind of learn from him as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We talk a lot, actually. And he's taught me stuff about the line and the racetrack and just how to race. That's super cool. I'll say this much for you, Isaac. If you ever get to the NASCAR Cup Series, which you will, uh, and Kevin's still in the booth, he better take it easy on you on the racetrack. <laughs> no, sure. tell him, don't be too harsh on me. You know, you can tell, you can say my sponsor and my car number. Just don't, don't be too cruel. Not kidding. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But that's so cool about Kevin. Um, it's just, again, because I'm a bit of an older journalist, not old, but you know, I, I, I remember Kevin being a young person like you, a little bit older, of course, but it's so cool to see him giving back to the sport. So it's just, it's dawning upon me how time's flying by, to say the least. Now, I'm going to give you a little fun scenario to think about here. And I don't know if they already do this at your races, but let's just pretend they don't. If you got to pick one or two different songs that can be played for you when you're being introduced to the fans at your races, what songs would you choose and why? Probably um, the one song would be Makaiba. And uh, it's definitely just sets the mood for everybody and just gets them ready to race. For me, that's what I listen to. And um, another song that's called Everybody, it just set, also sets the mood for me and just puts out a great vibe. I love it. So you, that, I, it sounds like to me you're the kind of driver that before you strap into your Legends car or any kind of race car, you absolutely have to listen to music to get pumped up, right? Yes, sir. That's so cool. And, uh, you know, definitely it's a thing about an athlete that I think folks may not understand. There's the normal individual like we're doing right now, but I'm sure once the fire suit, helmet and gloves and shoes are on, you're not just Isaac Kitts Miller. You are a race car driver. So you have to get into what I call a beast mode, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah, music certainly would help bring that out for sure. Now, this is something I hope I'm not making you feel too badly about because obviously you're in school, of course, and I'm sure you're enjoying the break from it. But, you know, when school is back in session, how do you balance the busy load of classes and all of those books you have to read and then also keep track of your racing career? Yeah, so definitely I have to always keep ahead on my schoolwork, um, do even though I don't want to do it I have to do more of it so I can come and race work at the shop and just 
have more experience with racing, but you have to pay off of it in, in the classroom and at home. And even when you want to do something that sounds twice as better, you have to just do your schoolwork and get it over with. Certainly. I can tell you from experience, even though it's all kind of boring at this moment, it's all very useful information. Like, like I told your, your peers, for whatever reason, math seems to come up no matter where you go. So those yeah. word problems, algebra, pay attention to that. The English stuff, you'll be fine. <laughs> but math, definitely, oh, if you can yeah, excel absolutely. in that, you are going places, my friend. So <laughs> I wished I had paid attention before, but that's okay. Now, before we wrap things up, I do have a few more questions for you. And I'm enjoying our interview so far here, Isaac. You yeah. know, when you are away from the racetrack, I'm sure there's things you like to do to unwind, to decompress. So, I mean, it seems like the vast majority of the Team Hornaday drivers enjoy hunting. Is it safe to say you, you also enjoy your fair share of hunting and fishing in the great outdoors as well? Yeah, absolutely. I love hunting. I love the fish. Usually I fish every weekend and we even go out on our boat to the lake and just water ski and wakeboard and just anything to get away. That's so nice. I mean, just like, I've never personally done any of those except for fishing. Um, but the water skiing sounds super fun. I would imagine that has to be at Lake Norman with uh, around that area, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh man. That's, that's a all, lot of fun. That are like hometown in West Virginia. That sounds super relaxing and you have to do that just because I know there's a lot of folks who just love to race, but if you have a little thing to do to get away from your race car, it certainly makes you a better, more refreshed driver uh, come crunch time for sure. And my last question for you, it's, it's sort of a tough one. And it's something you may hear even as me with job interviews, but it's something I'm curious about. How do you envision your career in the next five years, ideally speaking? Yeah, I would definitely like to proceed my racing career, um, possibly going to the Cars Tour in a couple of years and then stepping it up to ARCA and then possibly the trucks in the next five years. I feel like that'd be a great goal and a great mindset for where I'd like to position myself. Probably more to the Cars Tour side. I really have a lot of respect for that series because it's just has some of the best drivers in the country, all racing. And it does. Um, yeah, it does. And I mean, go ahead. And just the Arca is so good too. I was gonna say the Cars Tour series has really taken off the last year and a half. I mean, when you can get someone like Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, basically the Cup drivers to go in the late model race. I mean, that's just speaks volumes about how much they enjoy late model racing. And if you get to be in that level, it's pretty much your quick path to go and see how you measure up against them. So I'm sure you'd, you'd relish that opportunity at a place like Caraway or like North Wilkesboro, a bunch of these tracks that certainly you can learn about tire management and all. So I certainly hope you get to fulfill that and, um, that would be cool. If Kevin Harvick does a late model race, I'm sure you'd love to go door to door against him for sure. And that'd be great. Yes, sir. <laughs> I hope to see that happen. And if it does, um, we'll, we'll circle back to this interview and we'll catch up with an older version of yourself talking about that with me. And that would be so cool. Well, before we wrap it up for sure here, and uh, you're more than welcome to come back here, Isaac. I'm, I had a great time with you here. You know, is there anything else you want to say to the race fans at home about, you know, your racing efforts or where to find you on social media? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on uh, like Instagram at Isaac Kitchmiller Racing. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac Kitchmiller Racing and TikTok and also Facebook. And I'd just like to thank all my sponsors, All Construction, uh, Break Safe, Grand Candy Mulch, Bobby Roberts Logging. ARI, definitely Hornaday Development, Joe Ryan Race Cars, Ron Hornaday, Candace Hornaday, Billy Workman, Joe, and um, my parents definitely for making this happen. And just everybody that, like Landon, and just everybody that helps me every week at the track. 
we'll make sure they all know how much you appreciate your their support of your racing efforts and you all, all around because you're a nice young man very talented driver and uh, a lot of these people believe in you because you've you clearly have the passion and um, just as Bob Jenkins got to talk to Jeff Gordon on Speed World many years ago, I hope this is my chance to be like Bob with Jeff and uh, we'll, we'll definitely correspond with each other these next several years because uh, I really believe in your story for sure and what you're doing. So really appreciate you joining us today, Isaac, and I, I wish you the best of luck in these next several races in the summer shootout and let's catch up again here soon. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that was Isaac Hitzmiller who joined us for that segment of the hot seat. So my thanks, of course, to Isaac and of course, to our old friend Taylor Kitchen from the team Hornaday Development Camp for making that possible. Yes, folks, there will be article versions of each of these interviews that we conducted over the summer because you know what month it is for TPF. Yes, it's August. And as of this recording, it's August 2nd. When this podcast drops, it's August 3rd, the birthday eve of Jeff Gordon, uh, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> but um, no, uh, it's so fun to do these interviews, regardless of who it is. And uh, I feel pretty honored to get to introduce these young drivers who are just embarking in their careers, much like Bob Jenkins did when he used to have Speed World and got to introduce folks to Jeff Gordon on cable. So I'm not saying I'm Bob Jenkins. I can never be as good as Bob Jenkins. And I always miss him. He's a great, he was a great mentor of mine. And yes, it is going to be the uh, the third the, actually the third year anniversary of his passing if you count 2021 and uh, I miss him every day just like I miss my buddy Steve Burns as well so uh, Bob has done such great things and that's why I do this thing still with the website and the podcast and I'm not gonna throw my co-host under the bus here but hey surprise hot seat because Kirsten's here it would be kind of a foolish thing just to invite her just to get her get her thoughts and then not have her be in the hot seat. So surprise, folks, uh, our second half of our hot seat is going to be me and Kirsten just talking about life and racing because I haven't caught up with her in a long, long time. But, um, well, I, I do, I have, but for the show's sake, we haven't had her in a long time. And it's such a, um, it's such a perplexing, flummoxing thing not to have her back. So I'm going to put you in the hot seat, not in a bad way, but it's just more like catching up with you because Longtime fans of ours, I'm sure, were like when we brought the show back, they're like, oh, Rob, I know him. Nathan Solomon. Yeah, good kid. But where's Kirsten? So uh, I'll ask really ask the question that folks are probably asking. What have you been up to these last nine years? Oh, my gosh. The last nine years. Well, done <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit of racing, um, but a lot of it is um, I got married. So my name's Kirsten Lewis now. Um, but most of my socials are still say Kirsten Smutney or Kirsten Smutney Lewis or something to that effect. So you can find me there and I'm pretty active on those, but, um, I have two daughters. You can hear the youngest one right now. She's about <laughs> to turn, um, four at the end of the month. And then my oldest is six and a half and she's actually on her second year of racing quarter midgets on her second year of racing quarter midgets. Um, and she has two cars now, so she races two classes. Um, and then Kimber, my youngest can start racing in about a year from now when she turns five. So, uh, they're following in the, uh, in the footsteps. Um, myself, I've done a little bit most recently, um, drag racing, which, um, we don't really cover in this show. And except although we did interview John Force that one time. So right. that was, that's really one of the, of the highlights, things that sticks out in my mind a lot. <laughs> um, anyway, so, and I always had this perception of drag racing just being easy. Like, how hard can it be? You just go in a straight line, right? Which I was naive in my thinking because um, it is a whole different challenge. First time going out in the drag car, it, the whole sequence of it, I was so just like, oh my gosh, you get up there and you got to do your burnout and then like inch your way to the light and then you got to hit the light just right. And then, you know, in bracket racing, you don't want to like break out of your time. There's just so many different things to think about. So it's definitely a whole different, um, a whole different type of, of motorsports, but that's been really fun to try to kind of, uh, learn and figure out. And so the reason that came about is because my father-in-law 
um, races drag cars and he had a, uh, has a 69 Dodge Dart and asked if I wanted to race it. And I was like, a race car driver, don't say no to driving a race car. So what the heck, let's give it a try. So <laughs> that's how that <laughs> came about. Oh, wow. What a, that's an awesome, awesome transition you've made, you know, because obviously you have a road racing background. You you got stock car racing background and and now you're on the quarter mile. I mean, NHRA and drag racing in general is a motorsport series discipline that we ought to focus more on, too, because it's there's lots of great characters. There's lots of if you love cars. This is the place to be high performance, high speed you know, Octane, it's like the last of the innocent racing series, as I call it, because it, it, it's ageless. It's timeless. It doesn't care that it's 2023. It's still as cool as it was back in the 60s, the 70s, and certainly the 80s, which is the best decade ever, folks. Um, and knowing that you're doing that, Kirsten, so cool. And uh, I was saying, wow, when you said 1969 Dodge Dart, because I love all of those old cars from the, you know, the Dodge Company with the Hemis and just how innovative they were with their designs. So it's just so cool. You're right. We need to do more of this. And uh, yeah, the episode with John Force in 2012. Oh boy. I could not keep up with him. I think he was moderating the show. And we were just along for the ride. Like how his competitors were when he won. I think like all of those 12 plus NHRA drivers championships. And uh, oh man, I love drag racing. And we had... um. We had a guest actually earlier this year, um, Camry Caruso, a pro stock driver from the KD Titan team. And that was a lot of fun to have her on and just to talk about racing. But to know you're doing that, that's so cool. For you, Kirsten, would you say that drag racing is sort of like a, a sort of way to get your racing fix? Because obviously you have a really busy life. You're raising your girls who are growing up. They're healthy. They're happy. They're happy to have their mom around and their dad too, you know. Obviously, you can't take racing away from the racer. So how satisfying is to get that fix? And is there a thought in your mind saying, hey, you know, if I keep doing this, maybe I'll work my way up to the IHRA? Yeah, it's definitely been a a, a good way to get my get my racing fix in. Um, I, you know, I still looked at a little bit of doing some road racing, maybe getting a uh, do a spec Miata or something of that sort. Uh kind of back to my that's my like my true love is road racing so um I've been looking at doing that a little bit but you know uh we get into um Haley's race schedule and then my race schedule and yeah you know all those things start to get a little bit tricky so um it's definitely something that I would hope to do but we're we're blessed to have a lot of support from um you know family and you know people can go to one race and some can go to the other and you know, we're really fortunate in that regards. I just love the fact that you and your daughter are getting to do something that you both clearly love to do. I mean, I'm sure mom had a lot to do with, you know, your daughter being able to race in quarter midgets and all those great series that she's doing right now. And um, I can tell you how special it is to have family involved in racing because I obviously fell in love with it because of my dad. Um, he played a big role with it because he's such a car buff. And I decided, because I wanted to be a manly man <laughs> as a little kid, you know, sit back and watch uh, ESPN Speed World with my dad in 1991. And I'm glad I did because um, that's what got me hooked. This is what started everything, including our friendship and doing this podcast with you. Um, and I don't have kids of my own, but I have, you know, a nephew who's named Francisco, who's seven years old. And then I have a niece named Ramona three going on four in this November. And uh, both of them love racing. Uh, Francisco just likes the cars and Ramona loves the drivers. So you put them two together, it's a perfect experience. So in a way, Kirsten, I can totally relate to the joy you're feeling, sharing what you've loved since you were their age. And now you're a mom, you're getting to have this wonderful, genuine experience with your family. So I love that, that you're still racing because um, it would be a shame if you weren't racing because... I've always felt that you've been so talented. You just needed a break. And um, I just love the fact that you're still pursuing this and that your daughter's doing this too. As you mentioned, it's, it's a tough sh struggle sometimes having to say, I got to take care of Haley's racing efforts. Oh, but I got to do my drag racing efforts too. Um, and you say road racing efforts, Svek Miata, I'm sure you're 
Have you been like trying to keep in touch with some folks that you may have kept in touch with back when we were doing the show or even before we did the show? Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely, you know, in touch with some people still. Um, it's been, and I just want to backtrack a little bit. We were talking about um, racing being such a big family thing is um, I, I got sort of my interest in racing from my dad. We would go to the Indy car races up in Vancouver when they used to do the Molson Indy Vancouver, BC. And um, so that's where I sort of, you know, learned about racing and fell in love with not like a fast driver like he's like a grandma i'll say like grandpa driver <laughs> and so um we actually we i'm not going to portland this year but we are going to laguna seca as the following weekend and we got him a two-seater ride for his birthday and father's day so that is going to be so cool to watch he's probably gonna pee his pants that <laughs> so, talk about family and racing that's gonna be that's going to be a good for sure. <laughs> oh man, your old man getting to be in an indie car is going to be a sight to behold. And just because I've seen testimonies of people getting to ride those two seaters and talk about it being such a life changing experience, you know, even if you have a background in cars and motorsports, to be in one of those machines, those DW12s, I mean, that is going to be, oh. He's never going to forget that. I mean, he's had a lot of great things happen, such as, you know, being your dad and now being a grandfather to your kids and now getting to be in an indie car around one of the best tracks in the world. I mean, it doesn't get better, better than that, honestly. And yeah, I don't know what we do. Where would we be if we if our dads didn't get us into racing? It'd be a really different world in life, I would say. Um, so you know, shout out to our dads on, on making that possible. And I know you've got a lot of things going on with just your family, taking care of the puppers and all of that. But, um, you know, looking back on TPF Live, when we run Block Talk Radio, I, you know, I want folks to know that of the folks I got to have on as a co-host, and you're going to be back on many times, I promise you. You've always been my favorite of the co-hosts because I've learned a lot on what it takes to be a good person, a great journalist but an even better friend to people um, because not to get all suit mushy and all, but it's no secret that maybe my head wasn't in the right place at times when I was hosting the show, but I, I don't, you know, I don't share that with people. And then I still don't want to get too personal, but I will say if you want to credit somebody outside, you know, presumption, of course, my family always supports me, but of all my circle of friends who've always stood by me, even when some gave up on me, Kirsten Lewis has never given up on me. And I owe her a lot um, from her moral support, her genuineness, sometimes the kicks in the butts that I deserved <laughs> to stay on track. And I know when you get older, we all have to get busy with life, but I can promise you, Kirsten's one of the best friends I can definitely count on. And if I'm in a pinch, I hope I'm never in a pinch, but if I ever get into a pinch, I know I can probably text Kirsten or talk to her and she'll be there just like she was when I was a 20 something year old kid who didn't know any better and was a little cocky and sometimes just going through the motions of life. But I'm so appreciative of Kirsten being a great friend of mine because I sometimes don't. I take it for granted sometimes that I've gotten this far in motorsports and I sometimes think I'm not doing enough and I'm letting people down. And then I realize when I have Kirsten on, I have Nathan on, but especially those from the my, my long time past to know that we're still friends to know that I'm still the same person, probably the Kirsten I hope that I was back in 2012, but a lot more mature and not as, as I would say, not too obsessed about, being afraid to be alone at times it's uh it's wonderful to have good people like Kirsten in this world so I want people to know just how appreciative I am of Kirsten don't cry on me I'm, I'm just I wanted to tell you that to your face on the show because um yeah best friends are hard to find in this world so I'm really appreciative that you've always stood by me even when people gave up you didn't and we're still rocking now all these years and uh I want to have you back on the show again, just because it's so fun to talk racing with you. And I want to definitely have a, you know, 
story about what you're doing because I think folks at home want to, they should be inspired because just because you have a different era in life, you can still pursue the things you enjoy and you're proof that you can, you know, goals may change, but it doesn't mean that the determination and passion go away. So I just loved hearing your story. And that was just the, the surface of it. Cause I know we're both busy people and I'm sure you got places to go to. Um, but I'm just so happy I got to have you on. So I didn't mean to throw it on you with hot seat being on you, but man, this was so fun. I want to do more of these. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to wrap up the show because we, we've pretty much, this is perfect. This is awesome. So Kirsten, I'm so appreciative of you being on. Let's have you on again. Just, you know, anytime you want to be on, just let me know. And Nathan and I will always bring you on board because you're the OG. You are the goat as far as I'm concerned. So with that, folks, that was Kirsten Smutney Lewis with her segment of the hot seat. Kind of impromptu, but cool to do. So I think we're going to wrap up the show. So for Kirsten Lewis and for Isaac Kitzmiller, I'm your host, Rob Tiongson, saying thank you so much for joining us on the World's Fastest Hour Racing Talk. For previous episodes, you can check those out on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And for next week, episode 82, we're going to look back to all the action that happened at Michigan and Nashville and then get ready for the greatest spectacle in the world, Indianapolis, baby. That's right. All about NASCAR and IndyCar at the Speedway and Claremont facilities. And Nathan will be back too. And if Kirsten wants to be back, she's back too. So with that, folks, as I like to say, let's all go with the checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone.